I'm here in the studio once again. I got my two brothers from other mothers. It's a hip thing. We're about to uh, we're about to bring the party. Stand by. Christ lives in the heart of a champion. That's your little taste of things to come here on the Code of Man podcast. That was really smooth. Okay, welcome back to yeah. to our listeners. I believe we had determined that we are at 9.4 listeners now. That's and insane. Yeah. That's insane. We, we've got a, this popularity. I don't know if I can accustom my life to this. This is uh, nine listeners, get, nine fans. Wow. Starting Jamaica. to get recognized on the street. Are you? Yeah. You're big in Jamaica, I'll tell you that. <laughs> huh. Yeah, no, no one knows. That's a good, that'd be a good t-shirt. Roland Napoleon, no one knows me in the U.S., big in Jamaica. I don't know. That's a long T-shirt. You know where we like really need to break in is Canada. I mean, that's kind of yeah. We've sort of got a connection with Canada. Hmm. Do we? Yeah. A well, Mountie. Yeah, oh, that's right. Kodak Canadian Mountie. Kodak Mountie. Yeah, yeah, that guy. We've got really my my little opening words there. We are going to be talking about some generational things today, and so I thought it would be hip to talk like you guys in the introduction and use some of that millennial language. See, that's so, not millennial language. That's not millennial language. Don't, don't, like don't worry about it because I've got some stuff here that's going to clear this up today. We're going to finally get down to the bottom of what really is a millennial. And I've got it in ink and paper. Fact, it's indisputable, so that's coming. Did you get it from Teen Vogue? No, this time I went oh, to a legitimate source, okay, good. which I don't know what it is, but it's it looks legitimate. I don't know the age demographic of our li- our nine listeners. But I hope point one of, four. Don't leave out that. Oh, four. sorry, nine point four listeners. But I hope one of, some of them are maybe a little older, so that way they can learn today that not all millennials is everyone under the age of forty. <laughs> we have a cutoff point. Just to throw that out there. Okay. All right. Well, before we go any further with that, I am. Uh, I, I've brought to, together today what I'm going to call my history hot takes. Hot takes. I like that. History you, hot takes. And you can bring in hot cakes. We can eat hot cakes while you do your hot takes. Ooh. Some flapjacks. So anyway, uh, what I noticed about this, what triggered this decision was, as I was looking at this day in history stuff, today is April 29th on the release of this podcast, we hope. It is April 29th, and I noticed in history that there must be something in the air on this particular day. It is a day, historically, of a lot of aggression. Huh. We, we, could, we could maybe say it's April aggression. Now, I don't know if it's pollen. I don't know if it's allergies. I don't know if it's the spring fever. But there's a lot of liberation and occupation going on on April the 29th. Going all the way back to 1289, when Qualon... The Sultan of Egypt captured Tripoli. Hmm. 
1429, Joan of Arc led Orleans, France to victory over Britain. In 1661, the Chinese Ming Dynasty, predecessors to the Duck Dynasty, <laughs> occupied Taiwan. In 1672, King Louis the 14th of France invaded the Netherlands. Now, I am noticing France has been mentioned twice. 1858, the Australian troops invaded Piedmont. Remember, this is all on the same day, April 29th. 1861, New Orleans fell to Union forces during the Civil War. 1916, Irish nationalists surrendered to British authorities in Dublin. 1924, an open revolt broke out in Santa Clara, Cuba. 1945, the German army in Italy surrendered unconditionally to the Allies. By the way, we are a week out from VE Day. You know what VE Day is, you bunch of millennials? Victory in Europe Day. Well, thank you. 1945, Dachau was liberated by the American forces, the Nazi Germany death camp. And in 1975, the U.S. Embassy in Vietnam was evacuated as North Vietnamese forces fought their way into Saigon. And then the end it all, 1990, the destruction of the Berlin Wall began. Hmm. Or perhaps to end it all, 2003, Mr. T filed a lawsuit against Best Buy for using his likeness without his permission. Hmm. So I'm, it's an aggressive day, and I, I don't know how I feel about that going into a podcast recording. This makes a lot of sense because today is also my sister's birthday. Uh, she was definitely the most aggressive of the three of us. So mm. yeah, all, all of these things yeah. are coming... Dots are being connected all yeah, over the there's place. There's no denying this. This is a, this is like uh, this is like crystal ball stuff, right here. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, uh, all right. So there you have it. That's the history hot takes. Any thoughts? The more you know. I don't think you guys were all that. You'll impressed. never know what you'll learn on the Code of Man podcast. I'm just really, I'm really taken by the. Uh, I mean, we're going on nearly. That's 800 years of aggression on April the 29th. What is going on in the world? That's l- literally almost. A millennia of aggressive things on this day. You think of this as a generational gap or a generational integration? Mm, Either way. I think of this as just it don't matter what generation it is, people can't get along. Either way, that's what we're talking about today on this podcast. We're going to be talking about bridging the generational gap. There are definitely some differences in the generations. We, uh, We were discussing this some yesterday. Currently, there are five generations that are, you know, some say six, but there are at least five functional generations. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe if the, the millennials are the sixth Here one. We go. You know, but anyway. Oh, uh, or the one before them. Yeah. They're pretty rough. So we've got, uh, we've got the, uh, the silent generation mm-hmm. or the builders. That is those who were born prior to 1945. There are the baby boomers which I'm just the list I'm looking at, 1946 to 1964. Mm-hmm. There's Generation X, 1965 to 1979. Generation Y, a.k.a. the Millennials, 1980 to 2001. And Generation Z, the Post-Millennials, from 2001 onward. So these are the five generations that are out there today moving and shaking together. Would you say that there are at times some gaps in integrating, maybe in thought process, priority, methodology, and in all facets of society, work, home, church, communities? So we're going to talk today, bridging the generational gap from boomers to zoomers. 
I like what you did there. You know that rhymes, but it kind of left out the uh, kind of left out the uh, silent builders, generation. the silent generation. Yeah. So, but you know what? We determined why they're called the silent generation. <laughs> Drum roll! Wow, <laughs> you like that? Drum roll! It's a good thing you brought a keg of coffee this morning. <laughs> well, probably should put this bad boy on the floor. But it was timely. It was very timely. Yeah. Not everybody can do what I just did. Yeah, and you couldn't do it again if you tried. <laughs> well, challenge accepted. <laughs> well, uh, I'll throw well, it in there later. Anyway, the yeah. silent generation, we determined they're the silent generation because they didn't talk. They just they got it done. Yeah. You know, actions speak louder than words. What we're after today is we recognize that there are some differences in the generations. We want to we wanna talk about how to bridge that and the value of integrating Every one of these generations, especially from the perspective of building men, because that's what the code of man is about. Uh, Manhood, godly masculinity, Christ-like manhood. And I think everybody around this this odd-shaped table agrees that we are going to be our best when we have every one of those generations having input in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Whether it's physical labor, you know, actually working, building something, whether it is ministry-related, whether it is getting out in the back country and doing things together there. Just drawing from the different generations is important. Before we get into what started this conversation, I want to kind of do one of those. Uh, I'm going to give you the answers up front. We're just going to, it's the, it, we call it in the military, the bluff, the B-L-U-F, the bottom line up front. I'm going to give you the bottom line up front. I'm going to solve every problem right now, and then we'll go back and we'll dissect this creature and figure out the details of the disease, okay? You're bluffing. Here we go. (laughs) Yes, I'm about to bluff you. I have in front of me what is known as the generational differences chart, okay? And it is going to explain why the millennials are in the shape they're in. Yeah, that answers the question that I was literally just getting ready to ask. I wondered if this was legitimate research no, or, no, if this was, or if this was just a, here's what's wrong with the current generation, and let's just go ahead and call out all their no, that's Blame it on the millennials. That's my interpretation of the data, but the data is legit. So here uh, it goes. Uh, so what we have on here, they're calling them the traditionalist, which mm-hmm. is that silent generation and so forth, baby boomers, Gen X, all the ones we just mentioned all the way down to Gen Z. So I, what I want, I, we ain't got time to go over all this. So I'm just going to highlight a few things, okay? Let's start with this. Presidents. This will say a lot about, so let's just look at the, uh, the Generation X, my generation. I'm a product of the Reagan years. Your generation, product of the Clinton years. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> I need a bigger build-up to that. <laughs> uh, Tilly, Tilly Wingles. Huh. So Tilly music, Wings. music. Yeah. So Generation X, uh, Nirvana, yeah. and Madonna. Millennials, Britney Spears, and Puff Daddy. You know, I, how are those the... T- the <laughs> it's P. Diddy, by the way. And the more we go on with this thing, the more I realize that you are correct. You see, this is... This is nothing more than a, me, uh, a bash millennial session. Let me just, let me just cherry pick. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there because, were a lot of presidents in our formative years. No, not really. And, Clint, and Clinton the Clinton, and GW. Well, the Clintons... Clinton was in 93 to 99, mm-hmm. and that was when a lot of the Gen Xers were still younger and and very, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what, you're, what I'm hearing right now is what millennials are known for, very super sensitive oh, here we go. and wanting to, exp- word. And wanting to be go. understood. In fact, let me, let me look down the chart here. There's um, 
me see. Hold on just a second, people. We got this. Where'd you get um, this chart from? Uh, well, just look at the charts, people. I'm telling <laughs> you, just look at the charts. You remember me, Ross Perot? I was going to be president. I'm, I would have been the best president. I know about business. I'm a, I'm a millionaire. Probably would have been a billionaire. Just I'm look not, at the charts. I'm not going to run, Larry. I'm not going to run. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't have time to go through all this, so let's just hit the most important parts. Y- entertainment, okay? We, we talked about the music. What about the television? You know, Gen X, it was E.T., and MTV. Millennials, it was reality TV. Pop culture, Gen X is uh, torn jeans and body piercing. A little risque, right? Millennials, baseball caps and men's cosmetics. Baseball caps? That's Gen X. You guys wear your hats backwards when it's sunny outside. No, no, that's Gen X's who wish they were millennials. That's Gen X. They have their hats on backwards and they're blocking the sun from their face while their hats on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, another hey, one. This, this another whole, one for the bad guys. This whole segment is falling apart. Uh, but I, I, in in all seriousness, I actually printed this to have it on hand in case we needed to dive into some of the attributes of the generations, um, education and and values. What do you think uh, the Gen X values? Oh, probably something like hard work, determination, <laughs> resilience, <laughs> respect, so, accountability, ownership. Listen, to, this is interesting, though. Now, this will actually feed into the discussion. And, and to give you an example of the legitimacy of this, value of the different generations for the traditionalist, it's family, community. Baby boomers, success. Generation X, time. Millennials, individuality. Yeah. So what, what spurred this conversation, I suppose, is more than one thing. What we've been recognizing in our own reality of life where we're at living and doing and working and ministering and being involved in church, community, work, family, we're seeing the differences of the generations being highlighted in a time where there is a lot of change going on. This is not new. None of the, none of what we're going to talk about today is in and of itself new as far as generational, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stress, tension, so disconnect, and, and then and then the whole thing of change coming. All that's pretty normal. But what is unusual is the specific things maybe prompting that or what's causing that today, and and just trying to figure out. How do we overcome that? How do we bridge that gap in our communities? Because we don't want to isolate. We don't want to have that we've never done it this way versus we're sick of the way you've done it. Right. You know, it's not either of those things, but it's figuring out how to how to work together. So what what started this was listening to a podcast by Tom Rayner, Tom and Sam Rayner on the Rayner for Leadership podcast. And this just came out, I think, this week. Yeah. Five reasons why. Yeah. It was entitled what, Napoleon? Five reasons why the smaller church is viewed more favorably today. That's very good. Well read for a millennial, by the way. And Word. and that was a very nice thing for a Gen Xer to say. You're no, welcome. it wasn't. It was You're a passive aggressive condescending slap in the face. Well, it, everything they say is passive aggressive, <laughs> but I just I. I'll take it as a compliment. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank it's you. our way of saying we love you, yeah. even despite all your failings. See? You know, there, see there it is. There it is. That, yeah. I'm giving you a glimpse of the reality of what's going on. I'm, I'm painting a picture. This is not how I feel. I'm just giving an example of what's going on out there. All right. Okay. 
So they mentioned these five reasons that the smaller church, uh, you know, size or smaller church groups are be, are becoming more of a thing in this current time that we're living in. Of course, they mentioned things like COVID and how COVID expedited that that uh, movement towards smaller groups just because people couldn't gather together in larger groups for a long time. And so people became more comfortable with that. And by the way, I need $10 for every time I've said this, but I believe that social distancing has some very valuable aspects that should maintain, they should stay in place, particularly in grocery store checkout lines. Yes, yes. So there's one. Restaurants. Yes. You know, keep, keep, keep these tables separated and by George, don't try to put 12 people around the table built for eight. Amen. Okay? Go on. Well, that's enough for now because oh, we got to go on. But I was getting fired up. Uh, yeah, they mentioned a few things. We, don't, we won't go through their whole list. It was a great podcast, very inf- you know, informative. But the thing that really started this was probably their first and fifth point when they were listing these reasons why the smaller church was becoming the church of choice today. And the first reason they gave was what they called the demographic reality, that the younger generation is more likely to prefer smaller gatherings, or the younger the generation, the more likely they are to prefer smaller gatherings. From you guys and on down, do you see that, and can you explain why that is true? I see it. I mean, you're asking, how, can we explain why it's true that the younger prefer yes. smaller? Yes, and, and do you agree with that? I think it's definitely true. In my opinion, I think it's because you see these generations, their their social interactions have changed. And mm-hmm. all right, so I'm not, you know, anti technology. I'm not anti. I think there's just some reality here. Our generations, Roland Napoleon, you know, video games became more commonplace at homes. Uh, you know, you didn't go down to the video arcade and hang out with all of your buddies. You know, you could do stuff at home. Um, And then I think some other things played a factor into it as well. You know, uh, our generations didn't have the, yeah, hey, hop on your bike, go run the town, just be back by dark because the world, you know, just became uberly evil or at least more uberly aware of the evil. April 28th, 29th. 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 You know, so there was more, hey, stay close, stay here, stay. And so I think we just grew up not hanging out with 30 or 40 buddies at a time, and there was more of that isolation is probably not the right word, but there was more of that smallness, and I think that played a role in sticking around. And obviously you guys are much bigger on the the digital relationships than the – as a generation. Yeah, and I was reading something earlier, and it made sense. That's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. Here we go. So I can't even finish the sentence. There, there's another Gen X uh, trait coming in there. Anyways, um, I'm going to start it over to where the, the Gen Xer interrupted me in typical Gen X fashion and then uh, threw me down there. So I was reading something that makes sense. It was talking about how different generations have different technology that they rely on. For example, the, the boomers are very big with computers. They're still using their computers now. Gen Xers are huge with their cell phones. They love their cell phones. Us millennials were big on social media and, and so forth. So I agree with what you said. Was, yeah, what's going on around? Well, there's there. a lot of social interaction. There's things are changing. I get it. But one thing about Generation Z that I've noticed and that I've heard is they're actually called the new silent generation because the boomers, the generation before them, what do we call them? The builders. Mm-hmm. They're also called the silent generation. 
now these Gen Zers, because I guess they've grown up with the cell phone in their hand. They've never known a, a, a moment not having social media, not having all these things that we've had. So the social interaction piece of it, I agree with. I feel that my age group and below, we like these smaller gatherings because it's more personal. When something is more personal, it's more likely to grab your attention. Now, I'm not trying to take up for someone with a short attention span because nowadays we have the attention span of a goldfish, I think you yes, said. Yes, that's time. accurate. Yeah, less, that, that is accurate. Less than a goldfish, wasn't it? Less than a goldfish. It's, a goldfish is, is it three seconds? I think it was like eight. And ours is probably like three or four. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's bad. I don't remember it's exactly. Bad. So I'm not trying to take up for that. But as far as the more personal approach and being able to not just meet in a group and go through the motions and listen and, and take it from there, but more of a per- – I think that's why the, the younger crowd uh, – I think church throughout the time has been maybe associated with a gathering versus actually growing, and maybe that's why they prefer the smaller groups. But it should be gathering to grow. Correct. Yes. So I'm wondering then, this whole draw to the smaller group, the smaller gatherings, is it about this? I'm going to throw out another resource here that I've been looking at. This is a book, I think, maybe not the latest, but one of the latest books from Paul Chapel, entitled Keep the Faith. In this book, he has a chapter on generational trends. And there's a chart that I found in here that I think you guys will appreciate. He's talking about the imbalances that the younger generation has noticed, and rightly so, the correction to that imbalance, and then the dangers of overcorrection. Okay, So let me give you just an example of that based on what you just described. An imbalance that the millennials have seen, and I don't Look, this is all cross. This crosses. So I think there's some definitely Gen X that sees this too, especially younger Gen X, the millennials, and some early Gen Zers, whatever. They're all kind of getting this. But what they've seen is among some of the older generation, they heard only topical messages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the correction to that is they want to be challenged in their mind. They want to be challenged in their thinking. The overcorrection of that, he says, is intellectual elitism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's another one I think you'll like. The imbalance was that the older generation just gave a list of rules as a measure of holiness. The correction to that is that the younger generations want an emphasis on Christ's transformation from within. And, of course, the over-correction of that, not leading people to set personal boundaries of protection in their life. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the chart has several other things. Um, I think one of them was, you know, the younger generation, they're fo- they've seen a lot of that petty division happening in, uh, in the different movements. But what they are looking for is a greater emphasis on unity, which would, would stand to reason on why smaller, more intimate gatherings mean more. Yep. So that's some good insight from both of you on why that is, though, the way you grew up and, uh, and kind of the impact of culture and these devices, and it's shaped the way we think about interaction. Now, their fifth point, because we never gave that, as to why the smaller church movement is happening today, is because the, and this is the one that really got my attention. Mm-hmm. I never thought about this, but it, that it was the baby boomer generation that gave us the large church gathering. And since the baby boomer generation is now kind of 
you know, declining as far as numbers and 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 in prominent roles of active leadership. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not in leadership, and we're going to talk about this, man. They are still quintessential necessary leaders that we need in our church, even if they're not now standing up in front of everybody all the time. But they gave us the large church gathering, and because they are now not the ones leading the charge, that's beginning to diminish, and it's the smaller church that's happening. I think it's all about, I guess, philosophy is the word? Yeah, I think so. So there's a philosophical approach to this that we have to consider. I had another example that I gave to to E.T. the other day. So I get a letter in the mail this week came into the offices of the undisclosed location. It was an invitation to a dinner, okay? Now, this comes from an organization that if I were to name them, you would say, and I asked him the question, have you ever known anybody in this organization that was young, like my age and down, for example? And neither one of us could think of anybody. So here's the thing. I get this letter in the mail. The postmark on it is April 20th, okay? Okay. The, I opened the letter. It says the event is going to be on May the 3rd because that's, that's like less than two weeks thir- out. They mail this. 13 days out. 13 days out. And then on the letter it said, please RSVP by April 26th. Boomers. So they're giving you six days. <laughs> now, you know, yeah. but, but what best. I, I got the letter on April 20. Did you tell me the 23rd? Yeah. No, what's I thought, today? I thought you said you got it on April 23rd, and it was Well, I got RSVP'd it on Tuesday. Okay. I'm saying at best if I'd have got it on April. Yeah, so let's, at best, if I would have been in the office and got it on the 23rd, I had three days to RSVP to them whether I wanted to show up at an event that would happen seven days later. So you're chasing down the mailman. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have something. So, you know, you look at that and you say, is that also a good indicator of the differences in our generations because my thought was if you if you want me to come to something all right i need more i need more advance notice than that i think for you know the boomer generation 2 weeks out was fine yeah you know that they grew up like yeah you, hey it's going hey it's going to happen in 2 weeks so that's plenty of time to decide yeah now in the generation x i would say definitely at least minimum a month notice is ideal. And then I was asking this for the gen for the millennials and Gen Z, you know, let's just keep you all together for the sake of the conversation. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Well, just for the sake <laughs> of making it easy. Yeah, it's, it's very hard. How much time do you want before you have to make a decision? Now, I could almost answer that for one person in this room. Because I've been asking you about going on a certain trip for like 4 months. <laughs> oh, here we go. That I've said no to like over and over, but I did reconsider and it didn't work out. It didn't. You work reconsidered out. like three times, maybe four. Yeah. Like every month, you yeah. reconsidered. Yeah, because I kept getting put on the spot. Yeah. Because yeah. so are we kind of saying that millennials tend to be more indecisive? Maybe so, in their right, defense, okay, they're wanting more information. Here's, I don't, I don't here's know. what it is. It's not. A, it's not indecisive. I think millennials don't want to let anybody down. Yeah. And so when it's like, okay, I've made the decision, but then it's like, hey, I'm I'm asking you about this. There's this there's this like in the back of my mind, oh, I don't want to let them down. So maybe if they think I'm still considering this or it's it's a it's perplexing. It is perplexing. Oh, it's irritating. The word is irritating, okay? You just just say it. Just come right out and say, "Nah, I'm not going." Can't do it. 
Not going to yeah. do it. See, Just tell right from the beginning. I thought I did do that. No. <laughs> yeah, I did. You didn't. You I, always kind of left the door open. Like, I, I, I'm I, not sure I can make so it. So what he, what he's saying is just. Yeah. I, I guess so. I, I guess so. Signed, sealed, delivered. Or maybe say no in a different way. I, I, I don't know. Wrong. Wrong. No. So what was the initial question? Yeah, why, where are we going with yeah, this? Yeah, how much time do you guys need? Oh, right, so for like for me, I like to have several months worth. But wow. then if it's an event that's going to like pop up on the radar i think i think at least a month out if, if it's an event now not not like a hey let's come together this, this is why your generation could never have won world war ii and the gen xers could oh yeah definitely no. oh, of course definitely no. we would have skateboarded <laughs> right with, in on yeah. that <laughs> man <laughs> we were the t- you wouldn't, had, you wouldn't have taught turtles. anybody anything you'd have got it done we'd have bashed them and then and the walked guys, away. the guys that are coming what do we do y'all <laughs> oh, figured out wait exactly. a minute isn't that kind of like what got the gulf war in trouble yeah i mean we go in there and liberate but okay figure it out iraqistan well i guess we're revealing some truth here i mean we might have went in there kicked butt and left it in rubble <laughs> you guys would be still debating about it while everybody's getting persecuted destroyed but the Silent generation didn't even talk about it. They just went in there, got it done, fixed it, cleaned it up. Boomers come in behind them and rebuilt. Yeah, so I don't know where we were going with that. Well, here, here's the question that I had. So ET says I need I need a few months. Yeah. I didn't notice. say I need a few months. Yeah, you did. It's on the recording. You said I like to have several months. Yeah, like for my calendar. Like, okay, these are the things that I am tracking because part of that, like, so we had this issue at our former church. Planning a church calendar, you know, we wanted to have like like have the church calendar like year. Well, we were a predominantly older congregation for a longer time. That was like, why do you need a year's worth of stuff? Just hey, you want to have an event, just put it out there. And what we were noticing was our younger, our Gen Xers and down, if we weren't putting it on the calendar like three months out or six months or a year. They were already going to have vacations, and they, oh, I'm not going to be able to be at revival because I'm going to be here, there, and yonder. That's more what I was talking about having months out. But then, if it's an event like a pop-up special event, I think I need I like to have at least a month to for something like so. What, a, so here's like a an special. example. Here's an example. We're going to have a birthday party for me. Okay, we're going to have a birthday party for me. How far out do you need to be notified and invited for you to comfortably make plans to attend? For something like that, I don't know, three weeks, two, three weeks? I'm less than a week, depending on what my calendar is. Yeah, I think huh. that's part of it, too. Because when we had this discussion the other day, you were trending toward, no, nah, I, I need I need more than a month to decide what I'm going to be there. That's the difference in what I'm talking about. So I look at a like a party for a friend or a get-together with you know, some, someone that I know personally— yeah, I can. I'll I'll rearrange You'll that. You'll move. Oh, I get but, it. Now. But something yes. something like because like some that, organization's banquet that they're inviting you to come attend. Yes, that's more like a function. Like so, a, how much time do you need for that? Then, just to clarify, that's what I'm talking about. I like to have about a month out if it's going to be like a like a big. So ordeal. a month. You're saying a month is sufficient for something like that. So yeah. that's kind of in line with the the Gen X thinking. Then I guess maybe. We like at least a month. Well, mm. whatever it is, there's clearly a difference between the boomers and the younger generation on planning. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because my my parents are boomers, but I don't need that long. 
I really don't need. If 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 y'all were to tell me this Saturday the church is having a banquet and we want you and Lauren to come, as long as our calendar was open and we could get childcare, I'd be there. But here's I think I think that still kind of crosses back into another point. You're talking about your individual church. This is this is your people like, you relate with already. Yes. Right. This is an organization that is sending you something in the mail that it's like, hey, why don't you come? And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a good organization, but that's not my people. That's not my organization. That's not my group. So I'm going to have to leave my element to now come into – I think that's – because I'm the same way. Like if it's a church event, something that's popping up, as long as my schedule's open, hey, yeah, that's fine. These are my people. You know, that's the same thing as if, like, you were to call me up and say, hey – you want to come grab pizza on Thursday night? All right. Well, if I ain't got anything going on, sure. That that, that type of thing is. I think that might clarify. Yeah. So a bit. there's obviously then some huge tension that's going to happen between the older generations and the younger generations when it comes to things like small group, life group mentality in church, or just the more smaller intimate group activities like the code of man. Mm-hmm. So, code of man, we're going to go do a backpacking trip. But there's you know, only going to be six people at it? That seems kind of like a waste of time. Yeah. The tension that comes in on just the idea of changing things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a generational tension that yep. can all that can create a gap in in a community, in a church, within a larger family demographic. I mean, so all this leads to dismissing each other. That's what happens. You know the the young guys look at the old guys and say, "Man, they just they're they're not they're not with it anymore. They don't know what's going on. They're they're living in some kind of reality that doesn't even exist anymore." And then they start pushing them away. The older generation looks at the new generation as a threat. It says, "You know, they're just wanting to change everything. They're wanting to remove the ancient landmarks. They're wanting to eradicate everything we've built." You know, yeah. got to stop hitting That's this a- table. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I love to remove the ancient landmark. That's a verse that's taken out of context a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, but that—that's the mentality. So it creates this this dismissal of one another. So we're not integrating the the various generations. We're actually getting further apart. Uh, when we think about the tensions, I think we've named some of them. Yeah. So it it comes down to the old tried and true versus the fresh and new. Right, the tension that creates there. Now, in church, you see this in things like worship styles, particularly music, and even dress. Mm-hmm. You know, in doing some some kind of reading on this, I was reading an article about, and, and you know, it was a church different than our type of church background. But they were talking about integrating generations in the church, and and they were talking about the idea of dress and how, you know, the older generations, why do they dress the way they dress to come to church? Yeah. Well, the older generations dressed nicer in general. I mean, look at all the pictures. Look at the way men dressed for work back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Oh, just look at a football game. They're all wearing yeah. suits. Yeah. yeah, and so they came to church the same way they went out to anything. Yep. They, they dressed the same way. Yep. And so the younger generation was making the point, well, we want to dress the same way we dress. Now, the, the Gen X in me, who is, this is important, we talked about this the other day, like each one of us, whatever generation we're in, we sort of connect with the one prior and the one behind us a little bit, especially if you're closer. Like I'm really, okay, full disclosure, I'm like almost a millennial because yeah. it transitions in 79, 80. And I, was born in, I was born at the very end of 76. I'm almost a 77er. Yeah. But, but 
I grew up very, very much in a generationally integrated home. I mean, as the older part of me, the boomer influence part of me looks at the younger generation saying, well, we want to dress the way we dress all the time. I'm like, no, you don't dress well to go to Walmart. How are you going to dress? You're not coming to church in your PJs. Right. You know? yeah. I think that's why the generational integration has to happen, to influence each other, to say, well, look, here's the reason we do what we do. Here's the reason we want to do what we want to do. Okay, let's find where that works yeah. and respect each other in these changes and, and these different approaches to life. And I think that's the key, open lines of communication. Instead of, instead of the older generation preaching down at the younger generation of you need to do this, that, and the other, and instead of the younger gen- generation being arrogant and opinionated of, well, we don't need you bunch of old timers, there needs to be a serious level of, okay, look, Clearly, we're different. Where can we come and to a better understanding of one another? Because with better understanding, we'll come better productivity. Mm, well said. Yeah, very good. Honesty, respectful dialogue, the exchange of ideas. If we sit down at tables together, I know you were going to bring this up, or you mentioned this when we were discussing before recording about Rehoboam and the counsel that he got from the elders versus the young guys, and, and maybe that comes up in part two of this discussion more. But that, if they had all sat down together in the same room, mm-hmm. instead of him just saying, well, I'm going to listen to my buddies, and then I'll listen to the old dudes, and I'll decide who I want to go with, just get them in the same room together. This is why, this is a great idea. This is why the code of man is, is it, why it can work. Because when we sit around the fire at a code brew, you know, we've got Sir Thomas, who's coming out of the silent generation. Not I mean, the, 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 the baby, baby boomer gen- yeah. generation. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, he's not that old. He's uh, not that silent. You know, you got no. Pyro Bob occasionally showing up. <laughs> and we've got all the way down to Gen Zers, yep. right? Yep. So, I mean, there's four of those five generations represented around a fire, just sitting around talking, laughing, sharing ideas, discussing meaningful things in life. So when it comes to you know work or church and, and the changes that are going on there, it's important to dialogue, to listen. Listening first is a big key. I know you've said this. You guys probably are really big on this. Don't lecture. Don't jump into a lecture. And, and, and at the same time, don't ignore. Because that's what tends to happen. I'll say the older generation loves to lecture. Like, that's probably true of every generation. Let me tell you what's wrong with you. Let me tell you how we did it in the day. And then the younger generation has this tendency to ignore. Right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psalm 78. Listen to this. Talk about generational integration. I love this. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Can you hear the Gen Zers? Oh, here we go. I mean, it just sounds like, oh, boy, here goes the old guy, going to tell us how it was in the day. He says, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. I think what you hear there is if you listen long enough, Asaph is not just saying, hey, you young squirts, you whippersnappers, let me tell you how it's supposed to be. If we shut off the older generation too soon, 
and we think they're just going to lecture us and tell us why they're right and we're wrong, we're going to miss the next part, which is him showing the purpose of his heart, why he's saying it. He's wanting that coming generation to know about how great God is and how wonderful the works that God has done. He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers. Oh, that's the other part. Listen to them long enough. This guy's heart's in the right place. Older guy, let me tell you guys a few things. Oh, boy, here we go. No, he's wanting us to hear something about not himself, not how great he is, not how great his generation is. In fact, he just said they didn't do it all right, but he wants us to know God is right and God is good. And then he tells us in this last verse 8, and that they might not be as their fathers. Don't make the mistakes we made, guys. We've learned some things over the years, and we want to help you not to make those same mistakes. A stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart to right and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. That to me is, as a younger man sitting down and listening to an older man and an older man having a heart for me, mm-hmm. that's the conversation that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we're after. This is the conclusion of the introduction, part one of this. Now, we're going to come back next time, and we're going to discuss how do we tackle this? How do we create this bridge that's going to bring the generations together and integrate us all as one? And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to hearing from Napoleon. We didn't let you talk much this time. uh, The the time just got away from us this time. Well, you were pondering. And, and well, gonna... I have I have some good stuff for our next episode. I, I was pondering, do I start that now, or do I just wait for the next one? Because I didn't want to start something and then mm. have not be able to finish it. Yeah, that's what we do. If we don't start it until we're ready to finish. You're it. like a racehorse at the gate, ready that's, to run. That there you go. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Rock 'em sock 'em robots on steroids. Yeah. So we hope you have a wonderful week and come back next time. We're going to finish part two of this. We're really going to get into this. How do we integrate these generations in a powerfully effective way that will build men for God? This is Mike Overtrek Barnett saying happy trails, peace signs to you. This is Dr. Dean Roland Napoleon, and you are welcome. And this is Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next week. In the heart of a champion